We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Irish 215, Chicago style or New York style pizza? So I, I've been I've been introduced to Chicago over the last few years style pizza. I actually have never really had it. Until but the probably, deep dish type or the other type? Yeah, yeah, deep dish. So I haven't really done the deep dish thing until probably like four or five years ago, somewhere in that ballpark. I'm a New York style guy. I like thinner crusts personally. Yeah. I like the little crunch. I'm a big texture guy, so I'm, yeah. I'm down with the crunch. The uh, now, according if you ask Sean Davis, he'll tell you that that deep yep. dish stuff is not real Chicago style pizza. That's more Mark say that. But yep. it, the, the 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 type that's more what he calls Chicago style pizza is more of the flat that you cut into smaller pieces, which is kind of what I grew up on in Ohio. Is more of the Midwestern style, which is good because if you cook it that way, Ryan, it also has a very a, a much more firmer crust, like almost yep. like a bit of a crisp crust to it. But even then, I'm still a New York style guy, but it's really, really close between the two. If we're talking what Sean says is New York style, Chicago style, if we're talking the deep dish, I think that stuff is hot garbage, especially the ones that put the sauce on the top. Uh, can't fool with that, man. Uh, nope. Thank you. I, I, I don't hate it. I mean, as long as it's done well, I think there's good flavor there. But yeah, I, I, I'm a big texture guy, so I like a little nope. crunch with everything I'm eating mostly. Nope. So Agree. We had NH. Who was your favorite player to watch the, in the games this weekend? Who was your favorite Notre Dame player this weekend as well for the Notre yeah. Dame player? Or are we talking just you know, yeah, just yeah, this weekend. I mean, I'm a quarterback guy, so it's 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 the quarterbacks. It's Pat Mahomes. You know, I I, I, I do I do love watching Christian McCaffrey play. He's so he's really he's good. He's great. But um, yeah. I mean. Notre Dame. I mean, Drew Tranquil, and, and I thought Aaron Banks had some huge blocks in that game. I mean, he had some. He oh, had some. Great. He had a really nice game for the for the Niners, for Notre Dame. I thought that uh, Drew Tranquil had a great game for the. I mean, what was that one third and one play where he just stepped in the hole and just drilled the running yep. back? Was it the running back or was it Lamar? It was a running back. It wasn't Lamar, was it? Or was it? I, Lamar? Th- I think it was. I think it was Gus Edwards, right? That's what I thought I too. Was, and, or or and Justice Gus Edwards Hill is one of those two. I, yeah. I, and he's not. If it was that, he's not small. I mean, he. I thought he played no, a great I, game. If he 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 was he was that one sack away where he had Lamar in the backfield and he couldn't bring him down. If he gets that sack, that 
I think even more so. Kyle Hamilton was phenomenal. And even the touchdown he gave up yeah. was like, that was a great ball by Pat Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing. Was awesome, yeah. I, I thought Kyle played, I thought Kyle was a little too high on that one, but it's just like, I mean, that was a phenomenal ball and catch by two of the best to ever, you know, two of the best in this generation at their positions. Uh, but yeah. after that, Kyle was a, a force. I mean, yeah. he was exceptional in that game. So they, I, I don't know if I have yeah. a favorite. I thought they all played great. I enjoyed watching all those Notre Dame guys. Kyle's a stud, man. He's such a good player already. It's insane. I mean, he he's literally probably the best safety in the NFL as a sophomore. <laughs> like as a second year player, he's been fantastic. One guy I love playing, even though he's a he's kind of a weirdo, is um, Nick Bosa is really good, man. Like Nick Bosa is an absolute animal for the 49ers. I don't know if people heard it, but like after the not this past game, the game before. A reporter asked him. He just got such a dry personality. It's hilarious, but it's like he's like, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna drink some beer to celebrate." And this is literally his response. Nick Bosa, you're gonna drink some beer to celebrate? No, no beer for me. Maybe something else. <laughs> Walks that, off like what? That last, after last week's game, yeah. Yes, he is a weirdest guy ever, man. But that kid. Both is of those brothers stud, have man. like He's no so personalities. What's very weird? Per- I they know they have they have personality. They're very weird. They're both kind of like meat wads. J- J- Joey's like a big meathead and like super yeah. loud. Like Joey, yeah. Nick's more like soft spoken, but like yeah. weird. <laughs> like he's yeah, so they're, weird. They're odd cats, I would ha- I would ha- I would hang out with Nick Bosa though. He's the, the, there was a, the sack he had. I think it was a third quarter, Ryan. Yeah, and he buckled that tackle, and I I thought watching, I was like, why would they put a tight end in that situation on Nick Bosa? No, it was because he just Skipper, he destroyed six, the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like he destroyed <laughs> the guy so he like buckled him back. I'm like, why yeah. would they do that? And I'm like, holy yeah. crap! That that showed the replay. I was like, that was the right tackle. <laughs> like, yeah, oh my yeah they brought the extra tackle in dan skipper <laughs> yes. they do it a lot and he's like he's like legitimately six nine 320 pounds and like he yeah buckled yeah, him it was crazy yep. oh yep. yeah he, he's he's a pretty good player he's pretty he's good a player. really good player man yeah. it's really good yeah. player. yeah no doubt about it he doesn't like beer apparently so there you go <laughs> he it's not hard <laughs> enough for him for the if you know anything about the boses that's not nearly hard enough for them We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Irish blooded, which realigned conference do you think will be most interesting? Watch rollout next season. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. If you have an opinion, go. You can start it off. I, I, I my immediacy was just the Big Ten because yeah. the teams that they're bringing in are so different than the teams mm-hmm. that are in there already. Like, I guess you could say the same ish in the SEC as far as bringing in the Texas and Oklahoma, kind of, but like. Oregon, USC, and those types of schools run their team offensively just so much different than most Big Ten teams, like 98% of the Big Ten teams. So I would say Big Ten just because it's such a clash of styles that's going to be interesting to watch how it kind of fuses together. Well, and the other part of it too, Ryan, it's kind of along those lines, is Texas and Oklahoma make the Big SEC stronger by adding two more good teams to an already deep league. To me, the Big Ten completely changes – with the addition of these four teams, because it was such a bad league the last few years, in my opinion, like very top heavy, very good teams at the top. But you kind of felt like every year you could say a team from the Big Ten is going to make the playoff this year and the four team playoff, because it's like one of those two teams is going to go 11 and one and they're going to both beat up everybody else. It's just whoever, basically whoever wins Ohio State, Michigan is going to go to the playoff because the league sucks. They're not going to get beat. Ohio State has good non-conference schedules, but Michigan didn't. One of them is going to go. Now it's like, if you earn it out of the Big Ten, if it, let's just say we were still doing the fourteen playoff, you'd have to earn it yep. in the Big Ten now. You know what sure. I mean? Because of Oregon and and even Washington won't be as good next year, but they're not going to come in and be like four and eight. I don't think. You know, they're still a good football team. UCLA is going to still a good football team, and USC is going to be talented. So I think the intrigue is going to be that. And then also, I think you talk about this too, Ryan. Oklahoma and and, and Texas don't do anything that that doesn't exist in the in the SEC. Maybe they do yep. it better. Like we literally watched the Texas offense win a title in the SEC when Sark was running the Alabama offense in 2020, right? I mean, it's not yeah. it's not really new. Uh, yeah. What were you, you nailed? You said this, Ryan, and I think it's the best part about why the the, the Big Ten is why I'm with with you. It's because you're seeing such a contrasting styles coming into the league, yeah. right? I mean, it's just completely different brand of football coming into the league. A little bit less that Kalen DeBoer's not at Washington. It would have made it even more intriguing. But you're still going to see a much – I mean, USC is going to do things that are a lot different than what other teams do. Uh, yep. Oregon is yeah. going to w- work at a pace that's so much different than what everybody else does. And you're yep. also seeing a huge infusion of athleticism from these four teams. That's lacking at most teams outside of Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. And so to right. me, it just makes the qu- – the quality of the league is, is much better now because of what's being yeah. added. In my opinion, Jed, Jed, Jed Fish is a big spread guy as well. So yeah. you're still going to see that kind of spread yeah. it out, manipulate space yeah. type of stuff from Washington next year as well. Yeah. And I saw that your boy Will Rogers is staying, is going to stay and go and, and play at Man. Washington. There you go, baby. Yeah. There you go. Withdrew from the portal. So no, I, I think the <laughs> well, Big Ten is much more intriguing. Washington was trying to get Noah Fafita to come over from Arizona, but he said, nope. And they're like, okay, well, you can yeah. stay. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. You can yeah, stay. Well, and they, now they did sign that freshman. Right, he yeah. he did follow him there. Right, the kid that he's played so the, arm, the all, all American game. He, 
He, he's talented, man, but that kid's like 5'9". <laughs> he's a small cat, but he can play, man. He's pretty good, so I think he'll be all right. But, yeah, yeah. very small kid, though. Pretty sure he was listed at 5'9 as well, so that's usually not a great sign. But Here's another one, too. Is I would actually put the Big 12 ahead of the, of the SEC from a most interested to watch standpoint because that league is going to yeah. look so different than what it has in the past. And I'm curious to see like who kind of early on emerges as the teams to beat in that league. Like that's going to be interesting without Texas, without Oklahoma, you're adding Utah, you're adding Colorado, you're adding the Arizona schools. You, you know, Mm -hmm. BYU and Cincinnati kind of go into year two. Can TCU bounce back? There's going to be a ton of interesting story. It's not going to be as good a football as the SEC and Big Ten. I'm not saying that. But from a storyline to make to make it intriguing to watch it roll out, I mean, you're you're yeah. battling for supremacy. Oklahoma has largely dominated that conference for the last 10-plus years, right? Texas has had some sure. years here and there. TCU has popped up with a year here and a year there, and Baylor's had a couple years here and there. But, I mean, consistently it's been Oklahoma has been the team to beat. Well, they're gone now. You know, Texas has kind of emerged this season, and it's had every – you know, Erling, Erlinger had that one year. They went to the Sugar Bowl and – you know, but but it's been an Oklahoma-dominated league, and Texas was always the storyline because is this the year Texas is back? Well, that's gone now. So now it's like, okay, who's going to seize hold of that? We're the best teams in this conference. You know, is it does TCU take advantage? Is it going to be – is it Kansas State? You know, is Lance Leopold and what he's doing at Kansas? How are the new Arizona teams going to be? I, I really thought Arizona had a shot. If Jed Fish would have stayed at Arizona, I thought they would have had a shot to kind of come in and, and become one of the top teams in that league. Oklahoma State, I mean – one of the most underrated coaching jobs in college football this year, in my opinion, was the job Mike Gundy did at Oklahoma State. They got yeah. raided by the portal last year, like raided by the portal. And then they started the year off really bad, had that blowout butt kicking at the hands of South Alabama. They lost at home 30-7 to to South Alabama. And to bounce back the way they did and play for the Big 12 title was impressive. Yeah. Like that was a really good coaching job by Mike Gundy. Like one of the best he's ever done in my opinion. And he did it with Alan Bowman at quarterback. Who's I mean, coming back, baby? Who's coming back? Year. <laughs> that yeah. that made it even more impressive, right? Yep. And and like I'd never heard of that running back that they had before this year. I Ollie didn't Gordon. know who that that kid was. I'd never heard of him yeah. before until this year. That's pretty good. Pretty I know he play. played last year, but like you know, and then it, it, that was a heck of a coaching job by Mike Gundy. So there's just a lot of that type of stuff in the Big Twelve that I'm very curious to see. Yeah, very. I'm curious. curious to see what Colorado does now that uh, Deion Sanders took the Dallas Cowboys head coaching job. Oh, that didn't happen. I <laughs> oh, got it. All right, Robert Griffin the third. They, they didn't have they didn't have any interest there, huh? Wow, who would have yeah. thought? Yep. God. All right, let's go back to John A. One. John A. One. Notre Dame 2015 unit had an explosive rushing attack with CJ Procise. Was that team efficient in short yardage situations without a power runner? That's a great question. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, well, it, it wasn't so much that they there. lost the what, what hurt them, Ryan, is is Torian Folston was a really good short yardage back because he was quick and he had good vision and he was yep. low, he could just get low and kind of burrow. And then they lost Malik. I mean, who was their short yardage? What was their that made their short yardage game so dynamic in the bowl game against LSU the year before? It was that read zone, power read, those different things that they did with Torian and Malik in the backfield. And you yep. lost both of them by the end of the second game. I think that hurt their power running game big time. And they just didn't rotate. They hardly played Josh Adams at all. And he's not a power back either. I'm trying to remember. I mean, was Deshaun kind of used as a, as a short yardage guy? I mean, at times. I, 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 at yeah. times. They'd run like some power yeah. stuff and things like that. But yeah. Yeah, they weren't great at it. 
you know, and they were a, a really heavy 11 personnel team. Cause they, the other thing too, is they couldn't do 12 personnel very effectively most of the year. Cause when you lost Durham Smythe, you didn't have a very deep tight end room to begin with. When Durham got hurt, he got replaced by Alizé Mack who was a true freshman. And then your other tight end was like yeah. Nick Wisher, who wasn't a big blocking kind of guy. He was a pass catcher kind of guy too. So that, that hurt some of their options as well uh, yeah. from that football team. And um, yeah, it, it makes, it, it makes it, it, it it made it tough to really be that kind of power running team. All right, let's uh, sit. I want to respond to like Andrew Gilmore. So I think the big 12 is going to have a major reality check. No Texas or Oklahoma makes a huge dent in ratings. You, you, so much of what you talk about is based on perception, Andrew. And, and that's the problem that we have. It's like, you know what else is in the big 12 right now, right? A lot of really good freaking football coaches are in the big 12 right now, but it's like the big 12 is not. It, okay. They're gonna have a reality check from a rating standpoint, but, Maybe they're still in some pretty football driven areas, but I'm just talking about the football. Like, can we just talk about like the football? There's good football coaches. I want to see the football. I don't care about ratings. And, and, and we allow so much of this crap to fuel our conversations, man. Like what about the football part of it? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want to see. No, the ratings aren't going to be great, which is why the big 12 lost Texas and Oklahoma. Guess what? The ratings weren't great when Texas and Oklahoma were in the league either. Which is why they left. Which is why they don't have a big a big league, you know. So I don't care, man. I don't care about that stuff. The football is going to be fun to watch, in my opinion, because there's some there's some really good football coaches in that league, Ryan. I mean, Kyle Whittingham is being added to that league. Yes. You know, Kenny Dillingham is a pretty good offensive mind who, who's Jed being Fish? added to that league. You have Jed. Oh, sorry, Jed Fish is big time. Um, my bad. You have uh, the he's guy TCU. I keep forgetting he's at Washington. Sonny Dykes. You have yep. Mike Gundy and the job yep. he's done. You, I mean, there's some good football coaches in that league. Oh, Lance Leopold, Chris Kleiman at the two Tech Kansas schools. Like, SMU's in the Big 12 now too, right? So the, yes, Rhett Lashley, yes. Rhett Lashley. No, no, no. Yeah. SMU's moving to the ACC. Oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. About that. UCF They might do the some Big damage 12. in the ACC, man. Yeah. They might do some yeah. damage in the ACC. I like yeah. SMU. I like SMU yeah. a lot. They've got some ability. And, and the, I mean, Preston Stone's back. He's young, right? He's He's got a, yeah. another year he or got, two left, right? He got hurt at the end of this. Yeah, season. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but yeah, he's good, good player. And like every year, like they're producing some some receiver to the NFL draft that's a sleeper that somebody everybody falls in love with. Yep. It's like every year there's some SMU receiver that yep. people fall in love with. It wasn't the kid that Kansas City have. He was from SMU. Rishi Rice, Rishi yeah. Rice. Yeah, and there's Mal- Malachi Corley this year, who's another yeah. guy that's going to be the Senior Bowl. There so, you go. Yep. There you go. That's not going to stop because they're in the ACC. If anything, it might get them a couple couple kids that they maybe have lost because they're in the ACC. So yeah, we'll see. Okay. Joe Marciano said, I heard Lauren Landau will have the first press conference Friday, have his first press conference Friday. What are you looking forward to hearing from him? I don't care. I, I, I I'm not looking forward to hearing anything from him. I just want to hear him talk. I, I, yeah. It, that's not to say, I, I, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing about his personality. I don't really care what he says. I, I don't ever care what coaches say in press conferences. It's about what do you do? And and yep. maybe that's because I dealt with covering Brian Kelly for a decade that I just kind of dismiss like 90% of the crap that's said at a press conference is just, he's just giving us something to talk about and it's not actually anything to it. And that's a being generous with 90%. So um, I, I don't really care what he says. I want to see the product on the field. I, I don't, I don't care to ever, you know what I mean? Like in the kind of con- the kind of questions he's going to get asked and that like what I would love is to have Lauren Landau on our show where we could really talk football with him and talk like pick his brain. But, like these type of things are just going to be like these really just like, quite, I won't say anything else because I don't 
sound like I'm talking bad about well, the media, but the type of yeah. questions that get asked tend to be stuff that it just doesn't really, it sounds, it's a cool story, but it doesn't really tell us a whole lot about who he is or I, what's he going to be. The, the only answer I'm interested in mostly is just, I hope someone asks, and I'm assuming that this is a pretty natural question to ask this, but there's different philosophies around strength and conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. What are you, what is your philosophy about it? Like, what do you believe in? I just want to hear that part of it. That's all. Mm -hmm. I just want to hear about, about his philosophy as far as how he approached making athletes better and recovery. That's, that's all I really want to hear. And I hope that we get that answer because I'm assuming that someone's going to ask that question because I feel like that's a pretty natural question to ask a new coach, but could be wrong, I guess. So it looks like Nicholas followed up with a question that better suit okay. uh, got to his question. He says to everyone, could you handle six more year weights before we win a national championship in Freeman's eighth year, similar to Jim Harbaugh's record? Yes, I could. I could back to the original point. Like <laughs> if I don't care if it's year eight or if it's year four, I mean, it'd be nicer if it was year four, but like, honestly, I just need a championship at some right. point, man. Like that's, and, and I think the one thing about like, so Michigan, as it currently stands, is, you know, Jim Harbaugh vaulted for the NFL. I Like, in this hypothetical, I don't know what the next step is for Marcus Freeman, if he would leave after he finally wins one or what the, per, the perspective would be. But you also, I mean, the one thing about Harbaugh is that he built a program that I think, with Sharon Moore taking over, could be sustained. Like, I don't think it's a one year and then you suck for the rest of your time there, right? Like, I do think there's some sustainability there. So if Marcus Freeman creates a sustainable program that wins in year eight, I'll be happy. Yes, I will be happy at that point. The process to get there won't, I'm, I'm not, I don't think either of us are saying we're going to enjoy six years of what more years of, or five, be five more years of yeah. what Michigan went through. Like I won't enjoy the 2020 version of what Michigan went through, yeah. but so I, I don't know that I would necessarily well, enjoy the process being exactly the same. Well, hopefully but, we never have to go through another COVID year, but yes, right. agreed. <laughs> agreed. But if if I have to wait till the eighth year to actually see them win a title, then it's well worth the wait to your point, Ryan. I, I, absolutely. No question. We had Ida Minami with another one. How many times did you hear Cal Hamilton's name last night? He is, was unreal. First team, all pro well-deserved proud to rep him. Yeah, man, it was all yeah, night. I mean, he's a, he's yeah. that type of player, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, but like that was the best part of his game, even when he was at Notre Dame, right? It was that you could he could affect the game in so many different ways. Like yeah. you, you just don't see six foot four, two hundred fifteen plus pound guys that can play from the roof, that can come down, could be involved in the run game, could blitz when you want him to blitz, can play some man to man and get slots at times. Like that's what made him a pretty rare player in my opinion was just the versatility he brought with the size mm -hmm. and the athletic component yep. that he had. So, yep. yep. Well, I mean, you'd see him playing, you'd see him coming from depth. You'd see him kind of playing in the middle. You'd see him lining up in the slot. You'd see, I mean, he just like, there's times he's lining up off the edge. I mean, you just never knew where he's going to come from. I think the Ravens, I don't know if they've done this all year. I assume they have, but I, I yep. loved how the Ravens used him this season. Like I said, I don't watch the regular season NFL, but you know, the, watching these last couple weeks, I mean, the way that they use him to just play all over the field and just he's a weapon against the pass. He's, a, I mean, there were times it was like, okay, they're putting Kyle Hamilton on Travis Kelsey in this particular situation. And I thought maybe they should have leaned into that a little bit more because a lot of the big plays, you know, again, you had the one touchdown, but a lot of the big plays Travis Kelsey made were against zone. And yeah. like, I don't know that that's like to me. Maybe back in the day that would have made a lot more sense, but now with Travis Travis Kelsey's not quite the the athlete that he was five years ago. 
know, sure. but he's still really smart up here. And I kind of felt like I'd have made him have to separate consistently against my safeties and Kyle Hamilton. You know what I mean? Like that's just yeah. a small little nitpick there, but you know, Mike McDonald and Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, smarter football coaches than I am, but that would have been my, my only thing. But then again, if you're doing using that, then they could kind of use Kelsey as a decoy to get Kyle Hamilton away from impacting right. the football. And that's the other thing is, what do you want more, to him do that or to have him impact in the football? And at the end of the day, they held the Chiefs to 17 points. Defense yes. did their part. I mean, yeah. defense did their part to win that football oh, game, in my opinion. Mike McDonald's a stud as a defensive yeah. coordinator. He's a really good defensive yeah. coordinator. And, and yeah, I mean, they were using him like that all year. I mean, I think his stat line was like 80 total tackles, 10 tackles for loss, three sacks, four interceptions, 13 pass breakups. Like, he was that guy all year. Swiss Army knife on the back end, truly. All right, we got some more. Here's a here's an interesting one. Irish two one five asks best tailgate food and why. Well, I, I'm I'm quite partial to wings. I I'm a big wing guy. Whether I'm at a tailgate, whether I'm at home watching the game, because I feel like wings can be so versatile, man. Like there's so many different rubs, there's so many different sauces that you can use with a wing. Just can't go wrong with wings. Just can't go wrong with them. I don't particularly like. I love wings. If I'm if I'm having a a party at home, wings are great. Yeah, I don't like wings so much at a tailgate because they can be messy, and unless you have a, you know, for me that matters to me because yeah. I have to go into the stadium and work afterwards. You know what just I mean? Pop, so it's like pop them in, bone in, baby, and you could just make that happen. All right. <laughs> Uh, it, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, I, I've had so many different types of tailgate food. I mean, burgers are always a go-to if, if they can be made well. Um, you I know, like pulled chicken too. Some pulled chicken yeah. sliders, like that type my of mom, thing. Could do that's why you got to come to one of the tailgates my mom does, Ryan. She does that. Yep. She'll make uh barbecue chicken, like pulled, pulled chicken. She'll make that for yep. it. Um, she also makes like barbecue hot dogs. Like she'll dice them up, make barbecue hot dogs. Those are, those are good to have. But, um, uh, you know what? I've never, I've never been like a um, big like steak, like things like that. That like take. I want something that like to me the best things to eat at tailgate are, are things that I can just eat with my hand. You know, once you make me yeah. have to get out utensils and stuff, it's kind of like ah, uh, you know, like this is. Oh, well, you know, it's good. I, I did have a good steak sandwich from the Knights of Columbus this past yeah. year, though, which was that's really different, good, so. right? It's that's, portable, but that's yes. right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yep. Stuff like that. I mean, a good sandwich. There can be good, like, a, a, I'm a big sandwich guy. Whatever type of guy, I think it is at a tailgate, that's that's good to have. Yep. Agreed. So, yeah, good stuff. At home, Ryan, wings are good. Wings and nachos yes. are my, now my, Angela makes this really good bean dip for that, that I couldn't have it this weekend because she wasn't here, but I'm, the suit is there two weeks before the Super Bowl or is it just one? Two weeks. It's two okay, weeks. Okay, perfect. Yep. So she'll be back home before uh oh hold on. What day is the Super Bowl? You know what? No, we won't not this I'll... Sunday, next Sunday. Yep. Oh no, wait. So we will still have an oven. Because I'm sitting there thinking, like, I won't have an oven because they're they're starting to the their demolition starts next Monday. But mm-hmm. we have a we have a double oven in the wall that they're not taking out, so that'll be good. We just won't have a stove yep. or a microwave or anything else for six weeks, which is gonna suck. But it is what it is. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We had Ida Benami with another one. We've heard Derek Meadows doesn't have the best hands. It's it, it's one video, but I'm sure some of you guys saw the catch this past weekend. Loy Crystal Tom Loy Crystal balled him as well. Well, I mean, Notre Dame's been in a good place for a while with him. I, I don't believe I didn't. I literally said like two weeks ago that yeah. Notre Dame Washington had been batting it out, and now that Washington has a coaching change, that probably yeah. plays in Notre Dame's favor. But you huge. didn't do the crystal ball, Ryan. So there wasn't that clickbait thing you could do to yeah. to do it. And that's not a shot at Tom. That's a shot no. at twenty four seven. Tom's doing what he's supposed to. He's literally required yeah. to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so so that's not a, anything about Tom. But no, I've been saying this for a while, Ryan. And look, yeah. I mean, it's a great play. Terrible re press release, terrible vertical, you know, release. It was a bad route overall. It just he finished it with a phenomenal catch, and and I thought he got he was in bounds. I mean, other people say he was out of bounds. I, I thought oh, he, he was out of bounds. Yeah. I I, sl I slowed down the video, and he yeah. had a foot in. He was he yeah, was I thought so too. Yeah. Yep. yep. But you know that part's but that's why I mean, but that's all Bishop. Here's a problem. He had eight touchdowns this year at Bishop Gorman. Only caught fifteen passes. He was the team's number four leading receiver. Like, there's a reason for that, right? He's a got a very raw, raw game. But I can teach him how to run routes, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is, if I'm a receivers coach, I can teach him how to do better at with at the you know getting off the line. I can teach him yeah. to be a better route runner. I can teach him how to better use his body. My strength coach can make him stronger, so he can be more effective. I can't teach six six. I can't teach four five. The only thing that concerns me, and this is what I've said, is look, I've never said don't take him. I've never said he's not a good player or I mean a good prospect. I've said look, you have to understand what you're getting. With Derek Meadows. That's the thing. Notre Dame fans, you have to understand what you're getting. You can't always fix hands. Sometimes you can. Sometimes it's an experience thing. It's a concentration thing. It's a, my fingers are too tight. My fingers aren't, are, are, are too loose. My elbows are too tight. My elbows are too loose. There's all types of things that can say, hey, that's why this guy doesn't catch the ball consistently, and I can improve it. But sometimes you can't, Ryan. Some guys just don't have the hand-eye coordination or whatever the case may be. You have to understand that that's a concern about him. The overall rawness of his game thing is like that impacts where he should be ranked, but that part doesn't impact whether you take him or not. Because I can, that's right. if you're a receivers coach worth a darn, you should be drooling over a kid like Derek Meadows, right? Yeah. And, and so it just my excitement about getting Derek Meadows, if that happens, and again, I, I think he's still a little bit of a ways off from making a decision. It, yeah. it, it it's the the tools are exciting. he wants to he he wants to take officials i literally right. talked to him last week i think i did an update like he he wants to take officials before making a final decision so and yeah. what happened this weekend is going to make yep. it tougher for notre dame because sure there's going to be more schools that are going to get on him and things like that and you know it is what it is but yeah you have to have the right kind of class around him too ryan you're going to need some sure thing type of players in the class around him that's going to be a part yep. of it too because sure. there is some boom or bust to him, but the reason you take him is because the boom is could be really, really impressive. And you feel better about taking him, especially with Mike Brown as the wide receiver sure. coach from a technical perspective and getting him to yeah. you know be that type of guy. I mean, at the end of the day, man, how excited I didn't I mean, look, six five, six six can run and can leap for days. So, like, yeah, I'll be excited if they can get Derek Meadows. It's a boomer yeah. bust to a degree, but like 
you have, I mean, it's coaching's betting on themselves though. And if Mike Brown is as good a developer as we think he can be, like you're, you're going to get the best or near best of Derek Meadows if he's willing to put in the work. So we'll see. Yep. Shall see. It certainly it enhances that your size, chances though. that you get that. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Ryan is you, you it, when you have better coaching it, like Harry, he didn't turn every raw kid into a star, but you sure. felt like the chances of it happening were pretty good when you had a guy like that coaching. And I feel yeah. better to your as point. He's I feel better about the work now. in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and I, I, everything I can gather from Derek is that he is a very, yes, worker. Well, and, worker. and he's also the other thing too is Ryan is right now he's 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 running track. He does all these other things. Yeah. He's not someone who's focusing on the craft of playing wide receiver year round. When that yep. time comes, there's also a, an expectation that his game will get better at that point because I think he's doing like hurdles and all those other types yeah, of stuff. Right three, now, three, well. three hundred hurdles. I think is what he's doing yeah. right now. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. We got salty, salty. What's up? Will who will have more success? Define that as you will and explain your choice over the next five years. Jim Harbaugh at the Los Angeles Chargers or Kalen DeBoer at Alabama. I, well, let's define success first, Ryan. I mean, yeah. Consistency I, I would plus say, playing for championships. Would you say that's yeah? I, I would also I, I think there also has to be a little bit of a disclaimer as far as like making a program better than where you got it as well. Sure. Like there has to be some element yeah. of that. Well, in that case, then it's a no-brainer. It's going to be Jim Harbaugh because because Kalen DeBoer is walking into yeah. a situation where they're in the playoff every year. I mean, you yeah. know, it's like there's no way Kalen DeBoer – it's not possible for Kalen DeBoer to make the program better. He'd literally have to win it every year for him to, sustain, to do sustaining better. Sustaining success could right. be also right. boiled in there. Yeah. The thing about Harbaugh, too, is is, is if you're going to take out the context of what he's replacing out of the conversation, I think it, le- it will lean towards Kalen DeBoer because I do think Kalen DeBoer is going to keep Alabama being pretty good. I don't you know. Is Jim Harbaugh – char- I'm asking this, Ryan. I'm not – this isn't a hypothetical because yeah. I don't follow the team. I know he's got a quarterback yeah. to Scott Town. But do the Chargers have the kind of roster where he can make an immediate impact where they can kind of go challenge for a playoff year next year? I, or is I, it going to take could, him a couple years to yeah. build it up? I think that they could – flip things around pretty quickly in okay. LA. Cause I think, I think, I think the chargers have been a lot better than what they're, I mean, I know they made the playoffs two years ago, but like they were a much better team than what they were this year. They were just very poorly coached. I mean, Brandon so the roster is in a position where it can be a quick fix in your opinion. In, I mean, in certain avenues. I, I mean, okay. I would say this, like they have a franchise quarterback who's coming off an injury, but he's still a franchise quarterback. They have a, some pieces on the offensive line, like Rashawn Slater. They have a couple pass catchers. They need to figure out the defense because the defense has pieces, but it just hasn't been good over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So, like, defensively, they need to figure things out, especially in the secondary. But I think if they hit on certain moves this offseason, they could be a playoff team in 2024 and a whole lot better. Do they yeah, have a first-round pick? I believe so. Yeah, I don't okay. think they do. Yeah, yeah, they do. I think 15, I think it's like right? I, I think it's like number five overall. I believe okay. now with how it finished. So okay. yeah, Whew. goodness gracious, Brandon Plensner, what's up with the possible twenty twenty four Illinois offensive lineman that visited Notre Dame this past weekend? Is Notre Dame looking to take another twenty twenty four offensive lineman? Possibly. Yeah, that is that is not a he is a that is a scholarship situation that is a um, walk on situation through and through. It's the kid that visited who's also part of the track. I think it, I think that's who he's talking about. Brandon, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but it's the kid that also is part of the track program. He's a thrower. So he he did a dual visit with football and then also with track. I believe that's who Brandon's talking about. I, that I is not a throwers, scholar. Man. Yeah, that is not a scholarship situation. So 
Uh, I don't believe I don't believe that is. So it wouldn't really impact. Would Notre Dame take another off a twenty twenty four offensive lineman if it's a walk on? That, that that yeah, that's yeah, absolutely, of course, of course. I don't think it has anything to do with. Uh, I don't think it's a scholarship situation though, in my opinion. Unless I'm unless I'm missing something, Brandon. But then you you can let me know if I'm if I'm if I'm talking about somebody if if you're talking about somebody different in that situation. Frank G, if you guys had a pick of one recruit all time that Notre Dame missed out on that you wished you could have seen play for Notre Dame, who would it be? As always, keep up the great work. Two guys, Brian, two for me quickly. Randy Moss, who Notre Dame obviously had a very good chance with. The other one's Luke Keekley that they did not push yep. for, obviously. Yep, those are my I two. mean, you you could throw in, this is a little bit when you were younger, Ryan, uh, Javon Kirst wanted to come to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame used sure. up his scholarship. I mean, that would have been pretty darn good. But Ray I think Olson. Luke Keekley's yeah. I mean, he actually, he was at Notre Dame. So, I know, I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, it's hard to, it's hard to not go with Luke Keekley on defense, Ryan, because, because of the context of when he would have played. He would have been yes. side by side for Manti Teo for three seasons, like and he's ugh. he's a, a future NFL Hall of Famer despite only playing like seven years in the exactly. NFL. So. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yes. I mean that would have been a that would have been a uh, holy moly that have been fun to watch, but yeah. offensively it's that one's I mean that's not even the only other person that you could maybe factor in, but I don't ever think he was ever really going to pick Notre Dame just because of basketball. Uh, is Allen Iverson. There was a lot of talk that Allen yeah. Iverson wanted to come to Notre Dame too. Could you imagine Allen Iverson running Lou Holtz's offense, throwing to Randy Moss? I always love the people <laughs> that act like uh, Allen Iverson was – like some people kind of make comments that he was like a dumb person or something like that. I'm like, you know no. the guy went to Georgetown, right? Like you understand right. that? Or <laughs> Look, Allen Iverson has made some poor decisions in his life, sure. like a lot of people sure. did, right? And, and yeah. um you know, there there's certain parts of I don't know how to say this without getting into trouble, but the look can confuse people. Yeah, sure. Allen Iverson is not dumb. He's a smart guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I he, mean, it was the, it was the same thing this past cycle with um the 2023 class with Rico Flores. Like there was some pushback because yeah. like the girls and stuff. I'm just like that doesn't mean yeah. that he's not a good fit. You know what I mean? Right. So, Al, yeah. Allen Iverson would have been a better academic fit for Notre Dame than Randy Moss was. So, it. yeah. I mean, one went uh, but, to Georgetown, right? So, like, right. yeah, makes sense. But makes Rand, sense. Randy Moss, I mean, in Ron Paulus's career would have been so – would be viewed so differently if he had a chance to throw to Randy Moss. I mean, so yes. differently. Yeah, that would have been uh, – because Randy Moss – let me – that would have been – I'm trying to remember. So, his – what was his last year? Was, was it 90 – it was 97 was his last year, right? Sounds right. And so he played in 95, he would have played in 95, 96, and 97. And and so uh, let me let me just look this up real quick because I I mm-hmm. think he would have been with Paulus the first two years. Okay. But I don't remember if Paulus was I forget when Paulus's career ended. Yeah, Paulus was there in 97 as well. Because I couldn't remember it was 97 or 98 when Jarius Jackson took over. But it would have been 97. And so your receiving core that year, Ryan, would have been Randy Moss in 1997. You'd had, had Ron Paul's a quarterback. You had Autry Denson at running back, who rushed for almost 1,300 yards last that year. Your receiving core would have been Randy Moss, Malcolm Johnson, Bobby Brown, Rakai Nelson. That would have been 
because like all those guys get bumped down to number two. Like Bobby Brown and Malcolm Johnson were twos and number twos and threes, right? They weren't supposed to be number ones. By the way, I had right. a chance to meet Bobby Brown at, at uh, Buddy of Mine's tailgate this year, which is pretty cool. So, but uh, nice. that would have been a really nice receiving core, man. <laughs> For really, sure. And they were so, I mean, Bobby Brown would have been your smallest guy at like 6'3", because Malcolm Johnson was like 6'4", <laughs> 6'5", as well, you know, of the starters. And then Rakai Nelson would have been a much better guy, sort of like that change of pace kind of slot guy. That would have been fun yeah. to watch, man. Fun to watch. Oh, my goodness. A, a, a quick side note. I'm sorry. I know this isn't related to what okay. we're talking about, but someone someone had just texted me. Maris Loyfowl weighed in at the Senior Bowl today at six foot two, two hundred thirty nine pounds. Do you know how long his arms were? Thirty three and a half. Thirty four inch arms. Holy moly! Wow. <laughs> That's, That's insane, long dude. For a linebacker, That's insane. gracious. Super. I, I now know why they played him on the edge at times. Like I, yes, I don't know. That is I now nuts. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Any other That's measurements wild. for any of the Notre Dame guys? I was trying to look through, but I didn't okay. want to look. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, you didn't want to. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. Well, you're allowed to, to in this instance because you're getting I'm it for, for me. It. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. I'll, I'll, I'll read this next one, Ryan. Um, okay. We heard so much about CJ Carr when he committed, but the same hype isn't there for Deuce Knight. Is Carr that much better, or is Deuce going to seriously push for Carr for Sung Joe? Ronnie, I, I kind of got to disagree with the entire premise. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like once Deuce committed, people stopped talking about C.J. Carr. Like, yep. I mean, we hear I very little about C.J. Carr right now. So, no, I I, I don't know, Ronnie, who you're listening to or, or whatever, but, like, I think Deuce is getting plenty of hype. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's getting plenty of hype. So, I, I guess I, I can't really answer your question because I don't, yep. I don't agree with the premise of it. I don't think – I. The same hype isn't there for Deuce. I would strongly disagree with. Like some of the other day, matter of fact, I had to push back on some of the other day to defend CJ because somebody was like, you know, Deuce is a way better recruiter than CJ. I said, not really. He's a more vocal recruiter than CJ. But as you know, Ryan, CJ was very involved in recruiting that class. He just did it more behind the scenes, just different personalities. Yep. Deuce is more mm -hmm. of a social media kid than CJ is. Not better, not worse, yep. just different, but both yep. very effective. At, right. at recruiting and, and right now deuce's biggest impact has been with defensive players cj may ivan taylor guys like that i mean they ryan you had an interview who was the guy the other day you interviewed some defensive player who was talking uh -huh. about how deuce is on him all the time like deuce isn't just out recruiting receivers and running backs y'all i mean deuce is out there and i i know, I know mean, burgess is burgess was talking about him a lot i don't know if it was burgess maybe when no he, it was somebody that's but... it's somebody that was uncom i mean maybe maybe it was dallas or one of the, I mean, but the point is like he's recruiting Dallas Golden, he's recruiting Mark Zachary, yeah. I mean, he's recruiting everybody. Damien Shanklin, yeah. I mean, and CJ was that way as well. But CJ's impact was more on the offensive side of the ball. But you could talk to sure. Kingston and those other guys. CJ was very involved in those recruitments as well. CJ just was more of the personal relationship type of thing, which Deuce is also doing. But Deuce mm -hmm. also tweets about it more than CJ yes. did, which is fine. I have no problem. With that. It's just it's he's his personality, open. and and so. I, I think Deuce gets plenty of hype. His recruiting yeah. ranking is not what CJ's was from everybody. Uh, you know, CJ was ranked higher by most people at the same age, but yeah. like I just saw that ESPN dropped him like 30 spots or something like that. And, you know, in, 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 into like 120 something, whatever. I don't really care about that anymore. It's all, it's all kind of ridiculous. But yeah, I, you know, I know Notre Dame fans are super fired up about Deuce as well. Yeah. The other thing too is is Deuce isn't as 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 accomplished as a player right now as CJ is either. Yeah. 
it's more so about that, outside than, you know yeah yeah right current. so but i just think your entire premise is just is not there and as far as is Duke seriously going to push CJ for the starting job? I mean, right now, I'm not talking about either of them with the starting job right now. It's just develop them. Yeah. If Deuce pans out, Deuce can beat out anybody. Yes. But beating out CJ won't be easy. Just mm-hmm. like, pardon me, CJ beating out Kenny Minchie won't be easy. Yep. So, uh, you know, that's what that's why you recruit the way that they're recruiting right now at, at quarterback, yep. because you increase your chances that I don't know who's going to be the star, but one of those guys is going to be a star. That's how I feel about it, right? Absolutely. Maybe two, and then maybe two. I mean, CJ could be that star, and then Deuce comes in, learns behind CJ, and then he becomes that star. Hopefully, he'll 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 look at it that way. So, I think that's right now what I would bank on more. One of Kenny or CJ becomes a star. Deuce comes yep. in, learns for a year, and then steps into the lineup either in year two or year three, and he becomes the next star. That's that's the the ideal could scenario be. there. But I, so, I I know Irish breakdown hasn't hasn't. Uh, not hyped up deuce i mean you know i mean but, but everybody's again, excited about deuce everybody's excited we haven't even had the yeah. second signing day yet for the 24 class it's a little bit early now for that right i now. know very crazy so i got two more notre dame players brian nothing on jd bertrand yet okay. sam hartman six one even 209 pounds 39 and uh sorry 39 <laughs> that's freaking crazy <laughs> 30 and 7 eighth inch arms, so okay. fine. Or well, did they nine have to the hand on that one? Nine Sorry. and 5 eighths. So if I so just would have shut up and let you keep talking, we would have already yeah, had that fine. already, right? Nine and 5 eighths, so up okay. above average hand size. Above and then who was the second one? Yep. Cam Hart, six foot two and seven eighths, 204 pounds, nine and six eighth inch hands, 32 and 5 eighth inch arms, and has a 77 and 6 eighth inch wingspan. That's really good for a corner, correct? Oh yeah, long arms. Band. Yes. Yeah. Any anytime you're over 32 inch arms, it's good. Anytime you're over 75. And did inches, you have him just under 33? Was that what you had it as? 32 was it? 32 and five. 32, 32 and five eighths. So okay. he's closer to That's, 33 yeah. than yeah. So than 32. It's pretty and good. And six three, six foot three. Yeah. I hope he has a great week. I really do. I think he will. I think he will. It's a little tough for corners in that environment, yeah. but I think he'll do all right. Irish Gordy not. How do you feel about Mike Denbrock's ability to develop tight ends? If he can pull everything out of Raritan, he could become a first rounder with his size and explosiveness. Well, first of all, Ryan, your thoughts on that? I mean, I I think he's got a chance to be that. I mean, he's a freaky athlete, but it's yeah. it's way too early. I mean, just from a tool standpoint, but it's it's a little too yeah. early as far as development to to get to that point. But but with your to your point, six six plus. That kind of explosiveness, sure. He'll have the red flag of the two torn ACLs. That's going to be the key. He's going to have to stay healthy for the rest of his career. But, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he's going to have a lot of talent to work with at that position. Can he he develop? How do I feel about it? He's a good developer of tight ends. He's coached it. There was years at Washington, Stanford and Washington and Notre Dame. He was tight ends and tackles. And then, obviously, at Notre Dame, he was wide receivers. But – he developed the wide receivers pretty well with the help of his GA at the time, Ryan Mahaffey. So um, I, I think the tight ends will be dealt fine. He hasn't necessarily been a part of offenses that have used the tight end a ton consistently. Like, but somebody yeah. said this to me the other day, like, yeah, he's never really thrown to the tight end much. And, and, and I said, well, he's never had the tight end rooms like he had now. Like, you know, 2014, yeah. you had Ben Koyak and Durham Smythe was a true freshman and Nick Wisher. It wasn't a super talented room. 
and and Ben Koyak still caught 30 passes that year, but you had a really good receiving core back then, right? I mean, you had you had Will Fuller had his breakout season, you had Corey Robinson, you had CJ Procise, Chris Brown, Amir Carlisle, and Torrey Hunter Jr. were all receivers on that team that year. You had four guys, four receivers had over 500 yards receiving that year. Like that was yeah. more about how good your receiving core was. And you had just a solid player in Ben Koyak. Then in 2015, Durham Smythe gets hurt in the second game of the year, and he's out till the bowl game. And your next guy is a true freshman. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're just not going to have that same level of production. And then 2016, obviously, the tight end production was really bad. But that whole team was yeah. really bad. But, again, who was your receiving core that year? Equinemi St. Brown, Torrey Hunter, Kevin Stefferson, C.J. Sanders, Chris Fink, you know, Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool. Like, you know, there's, it's just, the receivers were just better. This room yep. will be a little bit different. And, and if you want evidence, like, okay, well, that sounds great in theory. What's your evidence for? And I said, okay, well, look at his last two years in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati in 2020, the team that they had that uh, that that played Georgia in the was it the Peach Bowl, right? Their leading receiver was Josh Wiley, who had 20, he was their leader in in catches. Uh, he was their number two in catches, one behind Michael Young. He led the team in receiving yards, and he led the team in receiving touchdowns. He had twice as many as anybody else on the team. Plus, that same year, in 10 games, he had 28 catches, 353 yards, and six touchdowns. That same year, Leonard Taylor had 10, 16 catches for 191 yards and a touchdown, and Bruno LaBelle, their other tight end, had 10 catches for 58 yards. So, in a in a that's 20, that's over, yeah, that's over 50 catches that season from your tight ends. And then in 2021. Josh Wiley was similar numbers, 26 catches, 332 yards, and six touchdowns. But Leonard Taylor that season had had uh, 28 catches, 268 yards, and four touchdowns. So in 2021, the tight ends caught 10 touchdowns, and your top two tight ends had about 600 yards and over 50 catches. So when he's had the kind of talent at, at there that's needed, you've seen the production. And when you look at LSU this year, I mean, they threw to Mason Taylor a little bit. He had 36 catches for 348 yards and a touchdown. But the reality is, Ryan, you weren't going to th- – if Notre, if you had Mitchell Evans at tight end, he's not going to be targeted much more than what Mason Taylor was targeted because you had Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas and, yep. and, and, and those guys at wide receiver. So it just depends on what the makeup of the, of the roster is. I don't expect the tight ends to be targeted the next couple of years as much as they have been in the past because I think the receiver play is going to be better and you've got running backs that need to be more involved in the pass game. So I could see the tight end production going down from a volume standpoint. What I would like to see, Ryan, is if the catches are going to go to go down, the more the catches go down, the more the yards mm-hmm. per catch go up. Because I think if right. you're smart about it, you can create some, some bigger play opportunities in your pass game with your tight ends because of how other parts of your offense are being used. It's something I would like to see. And, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a good developer of those players. You had some more some more stuff. Yeah, yeah, I saw someone had posted it, and I I found it on uh, Twitter just to verify the information. But Joe Marciano did post that JD Bertrand was six foot one, and I did verify this: two hundred thirty-five pounds, nine and three nine uh, three eighths. I would think was what he meant to say. Hands, wing seventy-five and two eighths, arms thirty and a quarter. Those are some short, short arms for a linebacker. Yes, they are. Anytime you're sub thirty-one, you are a short line. The wingspan is actually not terrible considering yeah. his arms are short though so i guess he has broad shoulders which is good so oh, there you go on the plus i guess a little bit yeah but, uh yeah. i think um didn't drew tranquil have sub 31 arms or was he just I, over 
I, he was right around 31, I think. I think he might have been sub, but yeah. 31 and a half is what it says here. 31, 31 and a half. Yeah. And he was con- and, and the point I was going to make is he he was considered to have short arms for a linebacker, which yes. he does. I mean, and it, yes. that's that's been the one knock on Drew that I've had is he'll miss more tackles than you'd like to see him miss because he's not real long. But no, nobody, also to yeah. to your point, uh Ryan, that you said JD was at 75 and three eighths. Uh, 75 and seven, 75 and a quarter 75 75 and a quarter was this wingspan yeah. i'm trying to find what drew's wingspan yeah. was with uh with arm arms that were a, an inch longer you see here his his wingspan do they not have it here nope they don't have it here nfl combine results.com is the best spot for that type of okay. stuff by the way i don't know if nfl combine results no i was looking at yeah. the nfl results.com Let's go find Drew Tranquil here. Now, he would have been the 2019 combine, correct? That sounds correct. There. Sounds correct. Okay, let, let me, me try this. Drew Tranquil NFL combine wingspan. But it, but um, let's see here. His wingspan. I got it right here. I got it right 74 here. and a half, right? So it's actually JD's is longer by over an inch. That's what I was going to say because I because yeah. Drew's actually is 74 and a quarter, right? One or one yeah. in, right? Yep. So an so inch short, longer, longer, even yep. though the arms are shorter, which is kind of yes. interesting, very interesting. But those are some short yep. arms for a linebacker, man. They are, man. They are. I think no, nobody beats um your your boy. Uh, what was the linebacker Notre Dame had that ran pretty well at the pro day a couple years ago? His name's escaping me for Drew some White. He was Drew White. Drew White had he was sub thirty. It was like twenty nine <laughs> something. <laughs> I remember short, that. I was like, holy that crap! Short. People like want to know why he missed tackles. That right there. Yep. He's yeah. two twenty five and had short arms. 235. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that DJ runs well this week. That's something that's going to be interesting. And if and if you have not seen it, Ryan did put a senior bowl preview at irishbreakdown.com today. So he kind mm-hmm. of talked about like what's at stake and then what he wants to see, or not not so like what what do they have to prove? What can guys do this week to really jump their stock in the NFL draft? You know, what are the some things yeah. that Cam Hart can do that if he does this, this, and this this week, that he can raise his draft stock? And he had some really good analysis there. You can find that at irishbreakdown.com. Very well done. Now there's a chance, Ryan. If you're on the message board, you know that Ryan's going to add another person to that to that uh, that uh, roster later in the day. Has he? Has that been announced yet? I, ha- I have not seen it on okay. Twitter as of yet. It's on the message board, folks. Another reason to be yes. on the message board. Yeah. We had a question from Lucky Ducks five one two. What position group playing elite next next year? Will have the biggest impact on the seasons outside of quarterback, offensive line, and defensive line. You're taking three position groups out of this conversation. Wow, man. Ooh, man. Because I think receiver. Why receiver? I, I get that. I get why he's doing it though, right? Because that's what yeah. we're all, we're always going to go to line play and quarterback play, right? But sure. I, I think you. I think you're right, Ryan. That would have been mine. Receiver Our play receiver. has to step up. Yeah, defensively, it would be it would be say it would be a linebacker. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they need to play if they play if they play at a high level next year along with the D line, how do you run on Notre Dame? Like that. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. I don't expect the secondary to take it, much of a drop off if they have any drop off. I mean, you and I have debated. There's a chance if Rod Hurd can make a smooth transition to safety, that the secondary might even be better against the pass next year than it was this year. Cause we both expect awesome. Benjamin to keep getting better and better. And like, cause like Benjamin this year was better than he was as a freshman. It just maybe wasn't as much better as maybe we hoped. He was a very good player, but was he quite as dominant as I hoped he would be? Probably not, but he's still very good corner. And yeah. and still in the conversation of, as one of the better corners, one of the best cornerbacks coming back next year. 
But it's mm-hmm. like the bar so high. I, I fully expect him to get even better next year. The question is how much. And he was still pretty good. And if you don't think Benjamin Morrison was really good this year, go talk to Marvin Harrison Jr. about how good Benjamin Morrison Jr. was this year, or Benjamin Morrison was this year. But I, you know, as much as I love Cam, I, I don't think there's going to be a huge drop off at that other position with Christian Gray going into year two and Jaden Mickey. And I think safety has a chance to be even better. And you and I would would just say, hey, look, I, you know, we we may have discussed, we may discuss and debate who was better coming into their name, Thomas Harper. Or, or Jordan Clark or whatever. But the, it, again, my point, Ryan, is it's it's like this to me, right? I mean, it's like, okay, they're both pretty solid players coming in. I don't see a drop-off is the point, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's not going to be any kind of noticeable drop-off from Thomas Harper to Jordan Clark. And you've got Micah Bell surging. I've heard some really good things about what he did late in the year, that maybe he could be that number two guy to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if they move Clarence Lewis around outside and at safety more this year as 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 uh Micah emerges as kind of that future there behind Jordan Clark at Rover. So I think the se- the secondary has a chance to be really, really good. So then it comes down to, okay, what's that missing link towards being a, a really, truly elite defense? To me, it's what's the linebacker play going to be like? I expect the linebackers to play, and I, I really want to get your opinion on this, Ryan. I expect the linebackers to make more highlight real plays next year, more right. knockout hits, more picking stuff off, more more big plays. The question about how good they're going to be, however, is going to be can they be consistent with such a younger group? If they are, you can make a case that the linebackers are more impactful next season, even though I don't think they're going to be as – they don't have to be as – I don't think they'll be as consistently good as this group was as far as assignment-wise, but I think they'll be more impactful if they can just show some semblance of consistency and assignment effectiveness because the the length, the talent, the the playmaking, all that I expect to be better next year, just from a right. God given ability standpoint. That consistency is going to be the key, and if that group plays well, this defense is going to be really, really, really freaking good next year, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean they're the they're a position that outside of Jack Kaiser, you just don't really know what to make of it at this point, right? Like you just don't have a clear answer. It's like you've seen Jalen Sneed in spurts, you saw Drake Bowen in a couple. You know, routes it, during the end that was impressive. You've seen Jane Osbury sparingly, obviously, at this point. So there's a lot of talent there. It's just how good is it going to be? Are they ready? Are they still a year away? I mean, what what are the, what's the overall impact going to be? I, I think that that's certainly in the conversation. Wide receiver, obviously, on the other side of the ball for all the reasons we've talked about. You know, you expect to have a dual threat, big time quarterback potentially. You expect offensive line to at least be good, you know, if not take massive strides, you expect the running back room to be really good. You expect the tight end room to be deep and talented. You And I expect the wide receivers to be better, but until you see it, it's a question mark. You just haven't seen it at Notre I've never seen Bo Collins at Notre Dame. Never seen Chris Mitchell at Notre Dame. Never seen Cam Williams. Never seen Michael Gilbert. Never seen Logan Saldate. Jaden Harrison. Like, you've, there's a lot of newcomers coming in that get you super excited about wide receiver can be but I've never seen them in the blue and gold. So until mm-hmm. that happens and seeing Jordan Faison step up, seeing Jane Greathouse take a step, Jane Thomas, and hopefully Deion Colsey staying healthy, it is going to be a question mark until it's not a question mark anymore. And, and also, too, Ryan, to your point, if the receivers play to the level we think they can, it's not just, okay, the receivers are good. Yep. It's how much it imp- – I mean, how do you – if Chris – like, it's – to your point, I don't know what those guys are going to do in Notre Dame. Notre Dame has 250 receptions and over 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns coming back at wide receiver from 2023 production. 
but over half of that was done somewhere else. You know what I mean? And so you don't know how it's going to translate, but if it translates well and the receivers are what we hope they can be, it's like, how do you defend all them and Mitchell Evans and the run game and Riley Leonard running the football and scrambling and, you know, the running backs out of the backfield. That's the thing that could potentially be so fun about the offense next year. It's got to, it's, there's a lot of show me. There's a lot that has to get proven, but just the, you just look at it, Ryan. It's like the talent on this offense could just be nuts next year. If certain things pan out. And I would argue that the O-line is obviously numero uno to making that happen, but that's taken out of the equation receivers are next i'm confident that if riley leonard's healthy he's going to be good at quarterback next year i i i'm far more confident in his transition into this offense than i was sam hartman's i just think he's a better player the i'm i have zero doubt about how good about notre dame is going to be good at running back next year zero as long as mitchell evans is healthy i have no doubt they're going to be really good at tight end next year o-line and and receiver are still question marks there's potential but there's still a lot of i gotta see it Mm-hmm. whether it's see it from a youth standpoint or see it from a in a Notre Dame uniform standpoint like you pointed out with the receivers right those are those are legitimate things to, to discuss sure. the excitement however is is sky high for me with all of that it really is and if Mitchell Evans is healthy they don't need those guys to be will fuller they right. they don't need that it just just be good i mean there's there's you can be great with just one or two great players but you can also be really dangerous with like six or seven just legitimate weapons and I think Notre Dame is going to be more like that next year with a quarterback who could be a, the kind of make plays with your legs kind of guy we're talking about. Like there's going to be five or six plays next year where a Notre Dame player receiver has a big play and he does nothing but just get open on a scramble drill and they come up and Riley dumps it off over the, everybody's the, head. Right? The like, Chris Tyree against NC State play. It, like, exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Oh, and, and the Chris Tyree against Georgia Tech a couple years ago, a Tyler Buckner play. Remember that one? Where Tyler's yeah. running left, they come up and he just dumps it over him, and Chris catches it and runs 55 yards for t- exactly, exactly. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. 
Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.